Greetings, friends! Welcome back to another episode of the Film Alchemist Podcast, the show where we look at movies we love, break them apart, to find out what gives them their magic. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, joined tonight for a very special, if not disgusting and terrifying, double feature by uh, friends and returning host, uh, Kevin Weinman and Dr. Michael Cloud. I know you don't want me to always say you're a doctor, because you don't want to be associated with Slither and the other movies that made you watch. But tonight, it's very important to add that caveat. I, I am actually... <laughs> Excited is not the right word, but I think this is actually an awesome opportunity uh, to use this movie to kind of, uh, as a medium, to, to educate the public. Because Contagion is so good and so um, spot on on so many yeah. things that I still think there's plenty of people uh, in the country and in the world today that aren't quite taking this seriously so i think like through this movie that actually may help kind of get the message across uh to uh to take this situation extremely seriously so i know we're usually like jokey and uh but oh that's, uh, that's i definitely want to make clear that i am I, I definitely want to make clear i'm not here to joke around uh with this one or make light of the situation i am here actually using uh this uh podcast as an actual uh, opportunity to reach the public and uh, so, hopefully maybe even answer some questions. So like the virus, yeah. you've infected my podcast and you're just taking over. What? And <laughs> <laughs> Griffey, uh, uh, did, did you hear that a second ago? That was every single one of your listeners immediately leaving this podcast. <laughs> you, know, um, you know, it's no, funny because I'm kind of with Kevin. I, when you guys sorry. pitched this, I was like, I know a lot of people are watching this, but honest to God, since this thing started and we've been locked up, I have not been watching apocalypse and uh, disease movies. It's one of those yeah. weird things where to me, I was like, I don't know that this is what I want in my life right now. Right. Like I'm still watching horror movies, but they seem quaint compared to like a possible future where we're murdering each other for toilet paper. So, well, I, I mean, I, I truly believe though. I mean, based on every, so you, you and I had talked about yeah. this and I, every day that I looked on Amazon, I looked at Netflix, I go, Guess what's like number two oh, and sure. number one with the bullet outbreak and contagion. Yeah. I think that <laughs> both of these movies are really on the forefront of people. And I think it'll be great to be, be able to provide context as to uh, whether or not they're actually standing firm with, 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 uh, you know, science facts. Like I will just lead off in the fact that like contagion, there's a magazine called new scientists and, um, they said it's hard to name many blockbusters, Hollywood sure. blockbusters that are invested in realities of science yeah. that contagion is. Oh, so yeah. there's really a lot of uh, validity to, 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 to this film. Yeah. And I'll say, yeah, starting straight off, like watching contagion, I was amazed at how spot on it was with so much stuff. And we can kind of pick it apart piece by piece as we go along. But I, I watched it. I'm like, this is actually very educational. Yeah. And that's what I think that's what, because, yeah, in case you guys haven't figured it out, tonight we're covering Contagion and Outbreak, right? Contagion's a little more what would happen if this were real. And Outbreak is like the Michael Bay version of what we're living, right? <laughs> Which I'm super yeah, down for, by the way. It's ridiculous, no. yeah. But, <laughs> but uh, Contagion, man, it's weird, too, because I remember I actually got to go see this at a Writers Guild screening. And Matt Damon was there, right? He had, I think he still had the shaved head and everything from filming Elysium, right? So him and nice. – who directed this? Soderbergh? Yeah, so, so him and Soderbergh were there, right? And they talked about their research process. Like, they spent a lot of time with these people in Atlanta learning about this. And two of the things he said struck me is Matt Damon's, like, he became an obsessive – He's he compared it, I think he said, to, like, 
rituals and whatever. Like, he's so precise in how he washes his hands now. Because the people were like, everyone always forgets the thumb. They don't do the thumb properly. Mm-hmm. And I remember yeah. that hit me, and I was like, oh, my God. So now, yeah, I'm look like I'm J-O-ing my thumb every time I wash my hands because Matt Damon <laughs> scared me that he was scared. And Soderbergh was like, yeah, we went in there and talked to these people, and he was, he was like, the thing that struck them in their depth of research is these things are on the verge of breaking out all the time. And it becomes mm-hmm. this amazing, you know, kind of just – luck of nature and timing and seasons and all these kind of ingredients to where like the things like they show in this movie just don't happen, you know? But he's like, there's little pockets all over the place. And they're like, this could be the one. And so I left that screening. I was fucking terrified when I left that. Cause the one, the movie's tremendously scary, but then to hear them talk about it, you're like, Oh my God. And it's, mm-hmm. I think that's the weird thing is how fast that wore off. And there's even a point in the movie when they talk about one of the reporters is interviewing Lawrence Fishburne's character, Dr. Cheever. And he's like, isn't this your guys' fault for over-scaring us with H1N1, right? The swine flu. <laughs> and and it was that very scene where I was like, man, this one's like too scary for me. Like I, I actually almost wanted to turn Contagion off because it just fucking felt too real. I was like, because that's the thing. Even on this show tonight, and I know you want to talk like some medicine or whatever – to me, this show always at its core is just entertaining people with other entertainment. And this one felt really hard to be entertained by right now. I'm not going to lie. It was right. brutal it, to it, watch. It, it hits very close to home. Very. Yeah. Uh, and it's interesting. Yeah, that, that press conference they talk about in the movie, like, oh, we're not take, we didn't take this seriously now starting off because, you know, you over embellished H1N1. And I'm seeing uh, that a lot uh, right now in, uh, where people – have basically become numb to warnings like, oh, you said this about H1N1, you said this about Ebola, you said this about uh, avian flu, you said this about monkeypox. Is that a real one? Is that a thing? Just by the sheer fact that we actually had great systems in place to suppress these things, that it didn't affect the mass society, that we stopped it before it got bad. People just thought that they weren't big deals, but we had great mechanisms in place to handle it. And H1N1 was bad. Definitely. There's a movie Nothing equivalent like to that, right? That's now. like an old that's an old movie truism, right? Where they're like, if the the sound guy's really good, you never notice the sound, right? The there moment you, you notice exactly. sound, people are like, This movie sucks. But like the best guys <laughs> have become this invisible hand, right? Kevin, you yeah, like exactly, me yeah. are a non medical professional. Uh what yeah. struck you about watching Contagion right now, this time around? Uh I think this time around, um, what was a little bit uh, frustrating or scary is that um, how certain things are treated from the very top level, mm-hmm. um, how a handful of decisions right at the beginning of something like this means that it's gonna it, it's gonna break out, that it's not gonna be contained. And that's that's um, it, I, I think our scenario now, I mean, I will I will give it this much. at least this isn't. A, a a viral epidemic that kills people within 48 to 72 hours or whatever yeah, the turn time right, was in contagion sure, uh um but like this it, it it gave some real life uh truths to this kind of shit can get out of hand real oh quick God, yeah. if you pivot and don't treat it with the amount of respect that it deserves and you wonder whether or not we we as a country weren't hit hard with a lot of these other things because we made the right decisions as a That's country exactly right. to keep to, to to mitigate the risk 
And so, that, yeah, like yeah. I thought that it, it, I was always fascinated by the virus itself. Like, I think it's really incredible, but like at the same time, I'm like, you, when you have the right people in place, I can absorb that more. When you don't have the right people in place, it's a little bit, it's, it becomes incredibly scary uh, in, in a, in a quick amount of time. So that's and what yeah, I thought. In both it. of these but movies are way scarier than what we're facing right now. Hopefully knock on wood. Right. Like well, yeah, at the current same, like, Mutaba virus from outbreak, they're like, it's the Mike Tyson of viruses. It's coming in your house, take your wife, you're done in like hours. <laughs> like that's the scariest virus of all time. Right. But contagions, even at 20 to 30%, you're like, oh, my fucking God. It's so scary. What I, what I was struck by this time, right, is I think the visual storytelling in this movie is so important, right? Because this one is. It's way more academic. It's way more procedural. And I think there's a point. Like, watching, I was like, where's the entertainment value in this movie to me? Like, I, 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 I was struck by this time. I was so upset watching it. I was like, why did I ever like this movie? I left that WGA screening and really liked it. But again, I wasn't, I didn't it was a fantasy at the time. exactly right. Right. But what struck me is that opening scene. And again, I think both of these movies have some of the scariest scenes in cinema, right? Especially now. Like if you've never quite been through it, maybe you don't know. And we still haven't, right? Like we're not living like this movie, but you kind of see how it could spiral out of control like that. But the thing they did in this movie that fucking terrified me was the start of the movie where they just showed how the very basic world we've set up is weaponized against us completely. Like, people yeah. just walking around, and Soderbergh does a great job of just so fast cutting between person to thing they touched to person in a new location to elevator to portfolio to car keys, the bus poles, right? Every subway where people are grabbing the bus handles. And they do that throughout the this movie. Card, it, was, uh, the machine. it made me have a panic attack. Because I watched this movie and I said... Could you fucking imagine the next time you're about to get on an airplane? Yeah. And that's what this movie did. Yeah, like, Soderbergh weaponized our day-to-day lives. Mike, yeah. what were you about to say? I was going to uh, – a lot of things. I, I did want to say, like, <laughs> starting off before uh, I, I get accused of creating panic uh, here, what we are – like you said, Griffey, what we're dealing with is nowhere on the level of contagion as far as mortality okay. – or severity, uh, but it's still bad and needs to be taken seriously. Like the mortality rate, I think they said in Contagion was like thirty percent. So we're like one to three percent uh, overall average uh, in the world. Still, insanely high numbers. That's very bad, but not like thirty uh, percent bad. And um, and we're dealing with more of a pulmonary illness than one that causes uh encephalitis which is what happened uh, what in that movie happen where the virus her? is her brain melting is that what happened when they cut what really described it but it sounds like there was some gross large change that was visible to the naked eye to the brain they opened her head up and it was just that candle that smells like her vagina <laughs> she's like oh god <laughs> i'm sorry oh, it's boy. a goop joke come on we need a little levity here guys <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, so is that what's happening? Her but, brain and, like, was melting because they like, had that scary be, shot scary. where she was reaching for her coffee mug and she couldn't grab it. Remember that one? Yeah. That's what I mean. This yep. movie's so chock full of just images of here's the life that you lead almost exactly. But like shift it just a couple inches to the side and how scary does all of that become? Well, well and, and, and I thought it was really great how they were able to um, quit touching your face, Griffey. I'm touching my beard, not I, my face. What, <laughs> so, is that the same? So, 
what this movie did really did well was that it kept the audience in the dark about certain things much like you would be in real life. Oh, absolutely. So <laughs> as a virus comes, you're, you're like, it, it may have already hit. And much like in this movie, you just see people getting sick. Mm-hmm. And then you and then you follow through how they have to find why all these people are getting sick. And I thought that that was to go back to what you're asking earlier, Griffey, that was what I found so fascinating right. was how do these departments trace back steps so that they can understand where it came from and everything else. So that was that was a really great way to go and get us introduced not only to the effects of the virus, but how it got spread. Yeah. And that's actually a good point, too, of like Griffey, you talk about like the world's like set up to propagate the virus. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also, fortunately, like as that movie shows from almost 10 years ago, even at that time, uh, we had great measures in place to be able to track origins. Like it was once they knew what they were looking for, they just followed Gwyneth Paltrow around the casino yeah. uh, and could track it when when, when well established systems were in place. Well, wait a sec, I do have a question. Was she people. actually the first one, or was it, were they saying it was the chef? Because remember, well, he didn't wash the, his the hand. It, it's I think I think they're saying the bat was the carrier. The pig. Right, uh, I get that, but he, he was cutting that pig up, and then he shook her yeah. hand with his bloody hand. Yeah. That motherfucker. So he was patient zero, but he may have been already, he may have been immune to it. We never he know. We never saw him get it off to, Okay. I thought that at the end there saying is actually the chef. But yeah. <laughs> well, actually, he, because uh, he just wipes his hands. Yeah. He doesn't even wash his hands. Dude. So yeah, he. Even though he might not have gotten sick, he still probably he had the virus on his I'll hands. I'll admit, I've been guilty of this before. Like, when I was a younger man, you'd be like, I didn't touch it. Why do I have to wash my hands? And then I married a nurse who was like, you fucking moron. I, like, really got on me, right? Uh, you mean you actually listened to her? Yeah, well, I mean, there are things when you're like, oh, yeah, this could contagion me. Like, I don't want to do that, right? Yeah, but but this and is the thing. The point, exactly. I think there's... You saw contagion, and you were motivated right. to take better care of yourself. And take this more seriously. I don't know, man. I don't, it, what I, because I felt Matt, and I think it was cool that they cast Matt Damon in this role too. Like normally Matt Damon's the guy who like, yes, I can grow potatoes on Mars out of my feces. But you take <laughs> Matt Damon and just make him the most helpless character. And it, it extra drove but, that home to me, right? Like besides the moment, I almost turned the film off. I'm not lying. I almost canceled this whole thing when they did the kid. Uh, when he came home oh, from losing I... his wife and the kid was in the bed, uh, yeah. that one gave me like a good meltdown cry. I was like, I can't. Yeah. Like I almost turned yeah, it was, off and didn't come hard. back. But there, there's something so well, think... human about the actors that give me something to at least relate to and pull me through those moments. But that's that's the thing that becomes what watching Matt Damon walk through this world was really striking to me this time because. Again, we have this thing now where I told you, Mike, sometimes I'll just text you and I'm just pissed where I'm like, OK, so should we still be getting Amazon deliveries? <laughs> you know, like yeah, it's, it, there's lots of. Yeah, questions. we don't know what is good and what is bad. Right. They say stay inside if you're not an essential employee. But yesterday, yeah. unannounced, a true greens guy showed up at my house and was just doing my yard. And I was yeah. like, what the fuck it, are you doing? <laughs> like. Well, that's that's Indiana's has a very broad definition of essential. Uh, and, you know, I don't want to undermine, you know, people's careers. And I know their livelihoods are at stake. Uh, but right. at the same time, uh, I, I don't, I'm not 100 percent sure Indiana's uh, definition of essential worker to get out of the stay at home order is in any way productive. 
uh, to optimizing our outcome. Yeah, but like, can they um, even lock us but, in? Like, but that's what I mean. What I like is that what this movie doesn't do. I think Kevin nailed it. Right? Is they don't nail us necessarily with so much detail. Yeah, no. There they, are they, several they, scenes they, where they give us they the science you. right of this is an R not because you guys don't know what that is, right? And they'll lay it out, boom, right. boom, boom, boom. But then you watch and you like Kate Winslet dealing with that town town council Karen, right? And you're like, this fucking bitch here. You want to reach to the screen and strangle her, right? Which is like, it's the right. biggest shopping day of the year, right? Yeah. So that's actually one thing that like struck me in that movie is like all the political backlash that uh, the CDC and the uh, the health departments were getting. They were just bumps in the road because like everything they wanted to do, they still got done. Like she's like, "How? Who's paying for this quarantine facility?" Doesn't get an answer, but it still gets set up. You guys can't, you know, <laughs> announce this to the public, and because we got to close everything down. They still end up doing what they need to do. Uh, despite the, the political backlash, because they don't really explain like how they got around it, but they still did. Whereas like, because that's eventually one of the you need a place to put all today. those dead bodies. Huh? And that's, that's the scene in the movie that terrified me. I'll, I'll let Kevin talk on this a little bit, but I found the Kate Winslet character extra fascinating in this movie. Yeah. Cause I, I fucking kid you not. I forgot she died. And when she died, yeah, I really. was furiously mad. <laughs> I, I had seen this <laughs> um, movie before and I was like, what the fuck? I was like, she did everything right. She was, she called the housekeepers and the room service. I was like, she did everything right. And it became well, so Well, because she didn't know what she was dealing with. But that's the thing, right? Until, and I think that's what this movie does too, is it casts really famous Oscar-winning actors and then fucking murders them, right? So that it really hits yeah. home. And that, I, I'll let Kevin talk to that with these characters. That becomes the fear is, is that what it fucking takes? The thing that was really impressive with how Soderbergh filmed this was that a lot of these characters were done in days. Yeah. Winslet shot all of her scenes in 10 days. Paltrow was done in three. Wow. She was barely she barely connected with Damon. I mean, they, they filmed almost all their scenes separately. But uh, again, the way that they film and the way the Soderbergh goes and takes each one of these characters is that they have their own isolated stories. Yep where you understand what it's like to have to deal with things from an individualized level. This was not an Ocean's Eleven. Right. They did not solve all the shit like some sort of ragtag crew. This was purposeful in the fact that Matt Damon and dealing with family things is its own thing. He's yeah. not going to ever run into Lawrence Fishburne. Right. Lawrence Fishburne and his group have to do their side of things, and that's going to be its own its own journey. And so that's what I found so interesting was that uh, I, I I mean, Griffey, you had talked about that scene with Damon. How gut-wrenching was it when they told him that your wife is dead? Yeah. Like that like when he goes, okay. Because he taught – I remember yeah, seeing he, it the first time being like, what was that? He told me that was something – or not told – me and him talk a lot, right? No, he told <laughs> us at the Q&A, he told the audience, he said that was something that a doctor told him happens all the time. Yeah. Is that yeah. people hear this news and it's so sudden and unbelievable – that they it's like their brain shuts off and they push right past it and they're like all right so should i like bring her tennis shoes she really likes you know pop tarts and the doctor's like mm -hmm. no she's gone and i think what yep. you just hit on kevin is that is probably to me if i was like watch one scene in the movie that would that or elliot gould in the diner right those would be my two scenes oh, that was where because just him sitting there and how and this is something else they do is a lot of the characters that die, they will show it happens in like a three cut succession. It feels like where 
here's here's where they are. Here's them doing their last moment, right? Gwyneth Paltrow grabbing the coffee. Kate Winslet trying to hand a guy her coat. Uh, and then we just cut to their dead faces. And there's no, like, agonizing, I love you. I wish I would have been a better one. It's just so matter-of-fact force of nature. This A-list celebrity that you think should exist in this movie, like, they won't die. They're the A-list. is fucking dead so fast. And so yeah. Matt Damon well, not being able to process that is a great lens with which all of us to study. Because, again, I think even now, like, none of us can comprehend what is happening now, let alone what's coming down the road. And it becomes this overwhelming, just fucking terrifying pool that we're all living in. Yeah. And, like, and follow up on Kevin said, I think one of the great things about this movie, too, is that there's no main character. Like, the, the virus yeah. is the character. Yeah. Uh, just have all these, like, ancillary characters kind of each kind of doing their own part. Um, like, Matt Damon, like, his part is actually, I think, in uh, mirroring it to this real world situation is one of the most important parts. He is the optimal citizen. He keeps a level head. He doesn't panic. Yeah. He adapts as best he can. He follows the recommendations by the specialists. He looks out for his loved ones and keeps them from making bad decisions. Um, so yeah, I loved Matt Damon's character. And if I can say anything to anybody, watch that movie and do what Matt Damon does. So you're pro looting your neighbor's house. <laughs> okay outside of that but that's what i mean Mike, even Mike, matt damon right the, pulling, the scene of matt Mike is pro yeah. he's i forgot he's about that scene pulling a shotgun on a child yeah to keep away from his other child <laughs> that's what i was like right. i can't follow don't, matt damon's don't, orders because okay. if let i let found some clarify. dude mounting don't my daughter in a plague i would be using that shotgun to beat his fucking brains <laughs> but he didn't yeah, I wonder why he brought the shotgun to that scene. No, no, like, no, because the he, scene he really, before, he, he looked out his back window, and he saw people robbing right. a neighbor. So he went over. Oh, no, I know why he had the shotgun. I don't know why he brought the shotgun to get his girlfriend's boyfriend No, off because of he went home, he saw footsteps, and was like, where's my kid? The only thing I have left oh, in this world. Okay, right. yeah, oh, there's a 13-year-old grinding his dick on her in the plague. <laughs> like, I would have beat that kid. The fact he's like, Andrew. Andrew, enough. <laughs> like, <I was> like, <laughs> Matt Damon, you're too soft. You'd be yeah, dead he in this point about it. He kind of he pulls it back. No, I would. I would. Like, he recognizes that, that they're just dumb kids. I'm like, you're rubbing your plague stick on my daughter. I just like her mom and brother just died, dude. Put the fucking dick down. <laughs> oh, I was so fucking furious at that scene. So mad. But I mean, that's like a real world thing that happens. Yes, because I would have been that kid. Have the I 100 percent would have been that dude. <laughs> trying to get laid while everyone's dying you're like i'm 15 i don't understand but it made Hell, me even angry. when they're like 21 look at florida like they have horrible insight right but that's what i mean right what, what is funny about matt damon because he plays everyone's dad right he's like the dad or the uncle like the good guy you like he is reduced to looting it seems like they're about to loot the grocery store too there's kind of riots breaking out this is a really fuck like he's screaming to let them off the bridge. He has to know why they can't let them out on that bridge. But I did love that scene though, where he's like, let us through. And he's like, I will detain you. If you keep saying, he's like, where are you going to put me? <laughs> but then he backed here. out, he pushed <laughs> out, dude. Yeah. You should have been like, lock me up. Yeah. I'd be like, yeah. In another state, <laughs> bring my daughter. <laughs> I, I think the Matt Damon scene though, that was the best. Was him at the food truck, man. Because that is a... The, also, the, the insufficient response makes it really scary to me, right? But there is a moment 
where Matt Damon's seeing the food trucks and he just goes, uh, you know, there's nothing in there. Everyone is rioting, right? They're like, we're out of portions for the day. They start fucking running. They're chasing and beating each other's ass. He tries to save a lady like a chivalrous guy. Looks up, and in the mass of people, he starts kind of jogging like, oh, I got to get in there. And then realize he has like this coming back moment where he's like, no, that's stupid. Yeah. But that the fucking for just really for just moments, he is swept up in the hysteria. Yeah. And, you know, that's totally, you know, normal and be ex- expected as long as like you can pull yourself back from it. But uh, yeah, that scene, though, did bug me because I'm like, this is like the worst possible uh, intervention that the military can do. Let's gather a bunch of people and put them in a line. Uh, and <laughs> yeah, not, that's true. <laughs> and not even like you know, maybe like hand out like tickets, like yeah. it, that way you know when there's enough before you set the food. You know, protect the people that have the food so they don't get attacked. Hell, when I remember, I was thinking, I remember when I was a teenager, and I stood in line for a PS2. <laughs> there were guards that guarded me back to my car, like <laughs> for that because they were worried about people robbing, like. In a pandemic yeah. situation, the pandemic is you know, like uh, when PlayStation Two dropped. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I would hope that they would have like better, uh, 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 they'd be more organized and better prepared right. for people to try and rob those who got food from those who couldn't get it. Right, but I think I think that's an important decision the movie makes, which is because they do that like five times at least, where they'll show people like, hey. Here's something, right? Whether it's the pharmacist with Forsythia or the the people with the food or whatever, they will do the, hey, there are just people in line, all shoulder to shoulder, and someone is coughing. Right. Yeah. And that's like, and it's, and we still see see that now, just even with like food and grocery stores. That's an important decision of the movie, though, because it's showing that us, the people and the government, we can't communicate well enough to immediately understand that waiting in line at those food trucks is a terrible idea. But yeah. that's that's important, though, because one of the things in the movie that happens, too, and this is where Jude Law's character comes into me, right, is the government isn't shown as this, oh, they just have all the answers and it's good. They're fucking trying to figure it out and terrified like everyone else. You yeah. know, and so I think every time they show lines like that, uh, that's an important moment. It shows that, we're all just trying as best we can, but you know, no one knows what the fuck to do. But, and, and I know, but at the same time, I think it shows we're predictable. Like we know how people are going to act. Yeah. We need before we do anything. More particularly, like the the food trucks, you need to have uh, organization and uh, preparation in place before you're just like, hey, here's some trucks. Right. First come, first serve. We're saying that now, but what happens in that movie, even if they have more armed guards, when they start running out of food, people are going to do right. what people are going to do. Which is why you don't just they're like, gonna fucking rush you those the soldiers. that you have unlimited food. It doesn't matter. And first come, first serve. But that's what I mean. You're talking about this like they can easily solve these problems. None of this is easily solved. Like the one no, of the scenes easy, that there's chills certain down things, my there's spine. There's certain snakes that can be mitigated. They just choose who gets the, the vaccine based on ping pong balls. And you're like, yeah, that it's scary as fucks. So you're like, that's how they decide. It's not decide who gets it. It's who gets it first. Yeah, but you think there should be some kind of fucking priority list. Do you have children that depend on you? Uh, blah, blah, you know, right. and that's what I mean. It's yeah. some of these things are to see. You rarely see a movie 
Like even Outbreak, right? Outbreak goes to extraordinary lengths to villainize the government, right? Uh, we'll get back to yeah, Outbreak. You rarely see a movie that says the government is also scared and helpless like you are. Yeah. All right, Kevin. That's, that's good. Walk me through ah. Jude Law. Because this took an extra interesting <laughs> point because Alex Jones this week just got banned from Google for spreading false claims about Thank coronavirus. God. So who knew that he was telling us, Jude Law was telling us what was coming down the road. <laughs> but I think Jude Law was my personal favorite part of the movie. Okay. What was he, your favorite part of the movie? I, I like the idea of... I like his arc, first off. I don't think a lot of people had necessarily an arc, right? They're just people dealing with the larger thing. I think he honestly thought he was the good guy at the start and sells his soul, right? And I love watching yeah. that descent into madness. What did you take yeah. from Jude Law in this movie, Kevin? Uh, I felt like somebody that was as egregious as he was at the beginning at talking about what he was probably would not have had a come to Jesus moment towards the end. I feel like he felt like he was still doing the right thing. I don't know. Like his, That's his character was, his, his character was fine to me and I think necessary. And I thought it was great to kind of show how media can spin up anything yeah. and, and spin up a cult following based on fear. And this was before mm -hmm. all that was every day. Like it is now. Yeah. So it was, it was a, it was a great way to get, but at the, at the same time, I think that, they were being almost too nice with his character by the end because I feel like <laughs> now you say he had a come to Jesus it. moment. What do you think that they is? Show, other yeah, than they sh he got caught, they showed that he learned his lesson. Um, you think he did? Did they, did they show he, he learned his lesson? I don't know. I I I feel like maybe uh, it was more of like I'm just I'm screwed and I'm not going to get away with it. But I, he did, I don't I didn't see any remorse in that character. Well, he didn't learn because he went right back out and was filming to Kevin's point. But I don't know that that's what I wonder at the end with Jude laws. Cause there are guys like that that are conspiratorial minded and they see a boogeyman everywhere. Right. In a scary scenario like this, you want to start laying blame and pinning things. And he thinks he's honestly got someone, right? The difference is, right. is when he absolutely fakes being sick and he's right. like if i'm alive tomorrow <laughs> you know you'll know it works once his message, be once his message becomes profitable is when well, that's the moment he, he first lies right up until then he might honestly think he's saving people right like you see this even with covid people are like oh it's a fucking wuhan biological weapon and yeah. so maybe he thinks yeah. he's okay kevin do you think that he's always a piece of shit the whole movie do you think that maybe he thinks he's a noble crusader at the start yeah, I mean he has to think that on some level. I I, I think he's just I, he believes I, his own bullshit at the beginning yeah. and then profits on it later and then digs into it. Yeah, more. well, he once you start doing more. makeup on yourself, it's hard to you can't say you're a noble crusader anymore. That's impossible. Uh, I so so no, I, you know what? I guess I guess because he wasn't incendiary by the end. Not that I feel like he was remorseful, but that. He didn't triple down on the activities, I guess. Yeah. But um, the the part, too, that I thought was interesting was he, when he ran into the woman that he was with, right? Oh, yeah, the lady and he was she, trying to and, sell stuff to, yeah. Yeah, and and she and she was real sick uh, in front of her uh, house there or whatever. That was kind of a, an interesting moment where I 
they did a good job of kind of showing the asshole that he is, right? So yeah, right, um, and then they just add a casual, it, "Oh, I'm pregnant." Yeah, fuck. Yeah. It, it, so, all right, here's a question for you guys. Do you, I think Jude Law's uh, character was good in terms of being able to see what media does to kind of incite fear? What do we think of Marion Cotillard's character and how she was taken to that village and everything? What was I supposed to draw? Like, I know what I drew from it, but what did you guys draw from that? Yeah, honestly, this is the swing and the miss of the movie to me. Because I love her as an actress, right? Her, like, solving the case in the casino, that was fine. Um, I don't think we really needed it, though. You're like, I get it. She was, Gwyneth Paltrow is there and people are dying. Okay, fine. (laughs) But uh, when she gets kidnapped, right, taken hostage because they're like, we're going to get it first. I love that motion. Right. Because this is a guy who was a government official. I think he was a government official. Saying, yeah, he was like a I'm going to official. hamstring uh, this entire coordinated world effort to stop this disease to save a tiny fucking village in the middle of nowhere. Right. On a symbolic level, I love that gesture because even those of us that are public servants or think we're doing right, I think if push comes to shove, you're like, yeah, I'm going to make sure my family's okay. I think that's where we all will start breaking down, any of us, right? I think it's unavoidable. And so I love them kidnapping her. What I don't like is then coming back and her being like, you know what? This is pretty swell. (laughs) That's the thing that I could have done without. And then even at the airport, they're like, yeah, of course we gave them placebos. They're terrorists, right? (laughs) And all terrorists think they're good, but what they did was kidnap someone who was helping us solve patient zero. That's fucking horrible. But she also realized that in that village, there's by giving that placebo that a bunch of children were going to die. So I think that's where her panic at the end came from. A bunch of children are going to die everywhere in this movie. In fact, they show us multiple dead children that she. I mean, this is months, months of of time that she was there. So she obviously formed an attachment. Yeah, she got Stockholm syndrome for sure. (laughs) Well, I don't know if she even like. Yeah, sure, there's probably some element of Stockholm Syndrome there. But she was also, you know, those kids didn't kidnap her. Those kids were just... But this gets to Kevin's point. What are we supposed to take from that? That it's okay you kidnap me because your village is dope? No, I think what to take away from it is exactly what you said, is in the end, uh, all these organizations, these governments, these uh, healthcare systems, the workers on the ground, uh, they're all human. And they all have attachments. Sure. And... In all likelihood, uh, we are going to all people in that uh, in those systems are going to bend the rules some way to benefit the people they care about. I think right. most of us uh, aren't self-serving that we're going to try and save our own butts, all but we are, are going to try and save our loved ones. All of us uh, yeah, are. but I feel like you could have carried that with Lawrence Fishburne's character. Exactly. Like Lawrence, yeah, did exactly. Lawrence Fishburne's character did the exact same thing. Yeah, you don't have to double down. But on no, it. they have I, a better I, example I, of this, which is John Hawks, the janitor doesn't kidnap Lawrence Fishburne. Yeah. Right? He just keeps being a good dude and then is rewarded by his kid getting the inoculation first, right? Yeah. So so it's it's not that I it's not that I thought it made the movie worse. I think that it could have been I felt like the 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 movie could have been a little bit more streamlined by not having that aspect of it. I just I don't know I don't know why we had to go on that journey. I I was more interested in fighting the virus, not how somebody was trying to and I think that's fair. I think like the the World Health Organization official could have been utilized in a uh, a much different way yeah. to show a broader picture. And really, what they well, did she, is they it, used her to show that other governments didn't trust 
uh, us and, you know, who, because they thought we were in cahoots together as like the rich nation. Which is what every country in the world right now is doing is accusing the World Health Organization of being in cahoots with some other country. Right. But then I don't want to find out that a Marion Cotillard got kidnapped and was like, it's cool, though. It's not Wait, cool what? to kidnap. It's not okay. No, no, I'm not saying it's cool to kidnap. <laughs> it sounded exactly <laughs> like you're saying I, Mike Cloud, will kidnap. I'm not saying I Kevin will kidnap. Kevin heard it too. I'm, I'm just, just saying people, <laughs> people in the world may take and probably will take extreme measures. In this movie saying it's okay, and I didn't like that. Uh, sure. I don't think she should be running from the airport like it's a Tom Hanks, Meg Ryan movie to go back to her kidnap. Going back to the kids. <laughs> yeah, right. You've got uh, so, mail. Yeah, you've got hostage. Gri- you know what I mean? Gri- Griffey, to your point, I've, I, honestly, that's them taking it the step too far, yeah. too, where it's like now she's going back to all the kids. If anything, I think the remorseful, like, where she feels terrible, but she has to go on with her yeah. life, hopefully fighting and doing the right thing, would have probably meant more, in my mind, than her going yeah. back and, I don't know, going back to that village and doing what, like... Yeah, I don't know what she's going to do for the village because yeah, she yeah. can't drag a, cart, a a case of vaccines back with her. Right, right. <laughs> right. So I, 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 that part totally was a miss to me, right? Because to me, the movie is yeah, you've got the guy who thinks he's noble who becomes, you know, a profiteer in the face of death. That's an important role, right? The every man who's caught up in the enormity of this, that's an important role. The medical field worker who's face-to-face with these horrible conditions, that was really important. And it felt like every other character on, like, the global medical team, I would have shrunk almost all of that down to, like, one character if it were me. Maybe Cheever um, as an yes administrator and, no. and a doctor. But, but I don't, but I don't Wait, believe who? that's representative of the solutions right. or, or, or the people involved with the solutions that have to be made. Right. If anything, you have to have all those levels so you can see right. how – fucking crazy it gets that's a good point because then you see the layers of bureaucracy that's a good point and also like you just realize it's not just one person defying all uh uh, all superiors to save the world like this is always going to be like an organized isn't that exactly what the movie told us is that elliot gould's like fuck you and he makes a step and then the other doctor Uh, goes fuck you and she makes the step that saves us (laughs) Josh, well, then you got at least you have to have a bunch of people defying bad orders. Then, but you can't just have one. Josh, a callback to Hunt for an October. <laughs> Elliot Gould is Jack Ryan. Like he was like, "Fuck you, I'm gonna do the right yeah. thing and make this shit." Well, I I <laughs> love that too because he's in that cafe and he's like, "No, no," he's like, "I won't be able to enjoy a latte here until this is solved." <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Elliot Gould saved the world because he loves chai lattes. Yeah, but that's what this movie is, right? Is it? All government officials should avoid orders and do what they think is best. People should kidnap until they get vaccinated. What do you think? Think about it. Who defied orders? Every single character. No. Matt Damon uh, is a looter. uh, Right? Matt Damon's a looter. Marion Cotillard sympathizes with her kidnappers. Cheever tells his people and not the world. Right? I guess Kate Winslet doesn't do anything wrong. Yes. And he gets court-martialed for that. That's not he wasn't like breaking mass protocol to protect his family. Like he it was if if you're if you're doing being a, a, a utilitarian, then, yeah, it's wrong. But I mean, that that's a whole moral gray area. Saying, what, didn't didn't he essentially just human insider trade? Like, isn't that exactly what we're mad at people for now? They're like, oh, you sold your stocks off because you had info. 
If you tell my neighbor yeah, who's your cousin to leave and I'm stuck here in the hot zone, that's I mean, what kind of robot would we be? Like, yeah, my family's probably going to die if I don't say anything. Isn't that the point, is this, though? Is this yeah. a moment in the podcast where Dandino usually is like, Griff, you're taking liberties. Yeah, like, I mean, uh... that, yeah, that probably happens all the time. I'm just saying, what? Like, I'm way more mad at people for not telling me I need to leave the city I'm in than for making millions off of a stock trade, whatever. Like, I think that is actually the most despicable moment in the movie. What, where he tells his family to leave? Where he tells his person specifically after they say not to. And you could say it's insidious to oh, not, Fishburne? right? Because, yeah, yeah, because essentially yeah. they leave Kate Winslet to die there, uh, yeah. which they should because she was going to die anyways. And don't bring her back so they can bring back a senator and lock down the important people and blah, blah. I get it. I understand. We all hate that aspect of, wow, that sucks. But that's a probability thing that's going to happen. And right. we see it already. But that what I'm saying is when treatment. he's given the order and he's like, I will defy it for my own girlfriend, fiance, girlfriend at the time. Not even his daughter, not like, you know, his wife of 30 years. Isn't that his fiance? And he's just going to be like, okay, she'll get out and fuck everyone else. I don't think that was a thought. So I think he just wanted to protect I know I'm his saying that's life. not, but that is the important thing this movie shows is even Cheever is cheating around yeah. the edges. Because it's, and right. you see so it too. And John Hawks, again, the silent MVP of the movie is sitting there and he just, you know, Lawrence Fishburne looks at him like he got caught. And he goes, hey, man, I got people, too. And that's the reality yeah. of the world, is Lawrence Fishburne and doesn't is he go out abusing and tell everybody? efforts. It, yeah, doesn't the, the janitor goes out and tells everybody, right? Well, I mean, sure, he might tell his people, but there are probably a fuckload of them. That's what struck me in this movie, too, is how fast the virus moves and how fast the cutting is when we're with sick people. Uh, the... The amount of people that just think it's in everyone's best interest to not tell us information is startling to me in this movie. And I think yeah. that's what gives rise to guys like Jude Law's character. You right. cannot yeah. hold back because that's the thing. Cheever, who is our kind of moral authority for the whole movie, when he does that and Jude Law cracks his ass on that TV show, you're like, now I understand how this happens. Yeah, you know what I mean? That's fair. Yeah, I don't I don't necessarily. Yeah, I mean, I guess there's arguments on both sides, but I don't necessarily disagree with you that keeping the public ignorant is the best. It's weird. I'm making action. this argument, too, because I'm going to make the exact opposite argument an outbreak. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I think people uh, should know what the fuck is happening. Yeah. Like I, I, I have optimism and I have cautious optimism, I should say, in people's ability to handle the truth. And I think I don't think people will mass panic as much as they will have their own coping mechanisms, sure. uh, which I think are equally predictable. They will do what they're doing. They'll go to the stores. They'll stock up. They'll prepare. They'll uh, hoard stuff. They'll deny that it's a big deal. Uh, they'll uh, get angry or lash out. But I don't think you'll like see like mass uh, hysteria, I guess I would say. I don't, know, I don't think people get hysterical. Kevin, we don't know right. anything about medicine, right? What would you do? Would you rather than be like, hey, Kevin, uh, Indy is fucked. <laughs> would you yeah. say, I better stay just in case, or fuck this, man, I'm out? Uh, well, when they say Indy is fucked, what do you, what do you, you know about? You know like in the movie, they're like, there's like six hotbed cities, right? And those yeah. are what they lock down. Let's say they're like, Indy has like, you know, 500 cases and growing right would you be like i better um, anchor in or I'm like 
I gotta get the fuck out of here. So, and that's so the hard, one of the biggest that's the hard question. Oh man, we're about to get real with this answer. Um, when you are truthful with the general public and you're trying to protect them with a general message, those that decide to go against it probably have what's coming to them because you don't disrupt everyone's lives and the economy and uh, the opportunity for the world to go around to, to placate some sort of conspiracy theory. Yeah, That's ridiculous. Right. You do this because you know that the end outcome is far, far worse than uh, a couple of nut jobs deciding that they want to go and uh, uh, break the law and get out of there. Yeah. Um, so, I, man, I think the meanest thing that I could say is, like, forget the people that decide that they want to go against that stuff. Um, but I, there, there, there's a, there's a reason why you have to be able to get ahead of these things yeah. and really blow it out of proportion because you want people to overreact and stay safe than underreact and act like nothing's wrong. Yeah, I mean that's the scary thing is I'm watching the movie and you're like, I want that information because I know I would do it. Like I, I'd fucking get my kids in the car and be like, we're fucking. Where are you gonna go? Leaving. There's no safe place in the world. Yeah, but if you tell me Indy's a hotbed, I'm going to not Indy. You know what I mean? But every all cities are probably going to have be have large scale infections right. at but some point. What I'm in time. saying is the human nature aspect is I have to do anything that gives my kids a leg up. And if that means breaking quarantine and driving away, I would do that. And that's like that's right. the weird it, thing that the movie puts you in that I don't know that I would have thought about earlier had we not been having this scenario is <laughs> You know, but watching the movie before, you'd be like, yeah, just stay in your house. Now I'm like, fuck, if I thought that was the difference, like I could give my kids a shot by driving to like BFE, I would. But that's actually probably the worst thing. I understand, but like, that's what the movie you does. Are is it's always home. putting you in these ethical gray areas. But this isn't an ethical gray area. Literally, the safest thing you can do is stay home as much as you possibly can. Going out and driving to another place just increases your risk. Well, I think the ethical gray area just being that some sometimes people where they're at, they don't trust the other people yes. around them or the area that they live yes. in. So they're going to try and do everything that they can to remove themselves from what they think is an increased issue. Yes. Mike, you might be able to stay. You might be able to tell Griffey he's safe all day in this yes. home. But Griffey's like, I know Barb and Dan across the street are fucking idiots yes. and they've yeah. got parties of 20 people over there I all the time. I see my neighbors still having people come in and out of their house every day right now. If this was contagion right. world, stay away from them. I would... they, they won't. They won't spread as long as you stay in your house. They're not going to spread the infection inside your house from outside. Yeah, you can say, but this is what I mean. This is the the, the gray area I'm talking about is not my behavior. It's it puts right, you in right, the right, moment right. where you understand where someone like Brian Cranston can say, "Sorry, they're idiots. Don't tell them." <laughs> because to me, I'm like, of course you tell the people the information. This is America. Right. We're free. But then you're like, I would probably be one of the people that panic. I mean, I guess you always got to weigh, weigh risks and benefit there uh, that are more people going to panic and be destructive uh, if you tell them too much or are more people going to blow it off right. and have an well, even worse outcome if they don't do anything at all because you didn't tell them. Well, Griffith just pivoted to something I don't agree with. Like, I'm much more of tell everybody everything. That's where my I brain agree. is. But then I feel yeah, like, like I would like, also be 
I would be bad in like the philosophical handshake agreement with the government that I'll take one for the team. I feel like I'd be irrational if I thought my kids were on the line. Uh, and you're that person that I'm saying, hey, good luck. Yeah, I know. That's what, <laughs> But that's what is fucking crazy about this movie, right? And this movie does a great job of, again, it weaponizes our day-to-day lives, right? Whoever you fucking think you are and whatever you think your life is, it's this close to the edge, man. It's that fucking oblivion that they talked about when they were doing research for the movie. Like the scene that will yeah. haunt me forever is yeah. the guy on the bus that they call. And he's like, yeah, I picked her up and I'm sick. But I, I'm like, he's still going to work. He's super fucking yeah. sick on a bus coughing. And at, when the yeah. bus rocks, he grabs both of the hand posts. Yep. And you're just that scene made me erupt in anger because I had an office job last year. Right. And I had to take I have, you know, they're like, oh, you have like three weeks of sick time. I was like, great. That's fantastic. That sounds reasonable. Well, I took two sick days because my kid was sick. Right. And then I got sick. And I, uh, you know, took a day off. And then the next day I was like, yeah, I'm still sick. I'm going to take a day off. And my boss like, oh, well, that, you know, that's going to be like a write up. And this I'm like, wait, what are you talking about? I had three weeks. And they're like, you have sick days, but you can't use them. And I was like, retro. What? You earn it. Yeah. And they're like, no, you have the days. But unless you pre-schedule a sick day, like a vacation request, that counts as the same as like missing a shift. And I was like, yeah. so you want, so I did, I came into work and I was sick as fuck. I probably coughed 10,000 times in my nine hours there, wiping my nose all day. I had like three bags of cough drops just cause I was like, I don't want to get fired. Cause I was like, you know, yeah. I'd only been there six months and they had, and I was like, so they're charging you trouble, right? If you don't pre-schedule sick, I was like, bitch, I'm fucking sick. And then sure yeah. enough. And- Three of the old ladies that worked around me, they got sick and it became this big fucking ordeal and they're all mad at me. And I'm like, yeah, the bosses said I had to come in or I could get fired. Like, and that's the shit. Yeah, and you're still you're still seeing that. But that's what I mean. Like, that scene was one of those scenes where it's I think all of us have gone to work sick. Right. It's a very American ideal. You go to work, you go to class, you, you know, work hard, sniff through it, you know, have some cough drops. You'll be fine. I wonder, this movie made me really scared about, like, what comes after this. Because, again, like I said, I'm like, the next time I could imagine being on a bus or a subway, an airplane, you know, like, the next time I'm at a restaurant and I see someone coughing, like, oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. A lot of things go back to normal. Like, 9-11 meant drastic sweeping changes in sure. terms of our travel. And we thought that our lives would be turned upside down because of the amount of regulatory things we had to do. And if anything... We think back to the old times where it's like, dude, I used to be able to go up and just get a ticket oh, yeah. at a counter yeah. and fucking go on a plane. That's crazy. Like, <laughs> so I, I, I think that I think that people being in this moment understand the ramifications of why we have to live in a new world. Right. And so it's not going to hit them as hard. This uh, one's more personal much than like a terrorist attack, living. though, don't you think? What? This one's going to be scarier on a personal level than a terrorist attack to people. No, oh, no. See, I feel no, like it because no, where no. we live, it's like the thought of any terrorist ever targeting us. You're like, that's only Red Dawn. That's the only this time is- that would ever happen <laughs> is the movie Red Dawn. This, this is scary because it can be in my home. No, it's a controllable variable. Like, sure. I think it's a controllable variable. Sure. Like a, a terrorist attack. You're depending on others to go and keep you safe when they're screening people. This is literally like if there's a virus that happens again. I know I didn't get sick last time because I didn't leave my fucking home. <laughs> so I think that uh, I, I think I think that there's 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 part of it that's a little bit different. Now, one thing you do have right, Griffey, is that like 
this is obviously affecting so, so, so many more people yeah. in terms of like, I see a friend of mine that got sick yeah. than New York, right? This is not a 9-11 in the fact that I'm directly connected with somebody that just passed away yesterday. Yeah. Um, but I also think that the people that lived through 9-11 that weren't affected by 9-11 understood why we have to live in a new world, much like we'll have to live in a new yeah. world here. And I think that's we're, what we're the very movie adaptable. does, though. Is it, it just it shuffles you so fast through everyday moments that should be innocuous. A woman just handing a person forgets her cell phone and she hands it to her, right? Death sentence. Hey, take a selfie <laughs> with me. Hey, take a handshake. You know, all these small. Mo- I'll tell you the one thing is I, I was fucking repulsed because I had to Google it. And I did not understand that there are bars that put out bowls of bar nuts. You didn't realize that? I've That's never like, in happen. my life ever, 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 ever sat at a bar and said, here's a bowl of communal fucking peanuts, and you would put your hand in there and eat those. My wife did, did say ever, we've I mean, been I know, to the popcorn bar. The bar I used to work at had, like, popcorn trays. But that had a scooper, at least. Have you ever? Did you ever go to Texas Roadhouse, the barrels of peanuts? Yeah, and I'm repulsed by Texas Roadhouse. <laughs> the fact that people are like, I can throw peanuts on the floor, so I'll willingly do that makes me angry at them. Why yeah, on I, I, I earth that... is that fun for you to just make more work for someone and have to step on peanut shells, you monsters? Oh. I, I, I definitely think our threshold, though, you're right, is going to uh, – like what we used to accuse people of like being like germaphobes, yeah. like maybe not quite – to like a pathologic extreme but yeah people right. are definitely be much more conscientious in the future people are definitely going to take viral illnesses much more seriously uh, in the future we're not going to blow them off yeah. uh like we did um but you talk about like uh relying on other people and controllable variables variables i mean one benefit we do have where we live in all likelihood we will have we had plenty of warning this time we'll have plenty of warning again probably um it and, just takes one uh, we'll McDreamy. See it and hopefully be more prepared. It huh? just takes one McDreamy, as we'll learn soon. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, but we're still dependent on the experts. We will always Maybe. we will always be dependent on somebody Maybe. else to protect us. Will there be experts in the future? We're moving to an expertless future. That's what I mean. This movie scared the. I fuck hope this is a lesson that we need, that shows people we need yeah. experts. That we stop. Yeah. Uh, this kind of movement where experts were getting ignored because they were elitist. They weren't elitist. They just dedicated their lives to, and put a, a lot more e- work and right. effort into something that most people aren't going to put their work and effort Isn't into. Isn't it insane? They uh, work their whole serve, life for oh, one moment. Yeah. <laughs> they uh, spend their whole <laughs> life working for one moment. And they're like, it's here, the moment where I'm needed. Yeah. And everyone's like, ah, fuck you. Think it better than me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you, you know what? All those people, it's like, listen, when we have to go to an expert about drinking Mountain Dew and masturbating, we'll go and ask you a fucking yeah, opinion about that's stuff. That's when the Josh Griffies of the world step in to fill the void, my friends. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I don't know. I mean, I think, I hope Kevin's right, you know, because I think the scene that absolutely was so necessary on this fucking vile, vile film is uh, the prom. Like, the prom at the end is one of the sweetest moments in yeah. a movie I've seen in years, man. I just, I, I love that scene. I thought it was so and, great. Although I was like, you're letting that dude in your house now again after he. He got vaccinated. I know, he but good. he was already humping his daughter in the snow. 
disrespect and i was like well, that's, that's ridiculous i thought it was kind of he wasn't humping or he was just laying on top he was humping he wasn't be real there, there was no there was there was there some was no minor humping. humpage He's definitely rolling the sausage uh, back and no, forth. No, I thought but. that was actually, on its own note, kind of like a a good, subtle, like, good father moment. It's like, yeah. yeah, his daughter's a teenage girl. She's going to want to be affectionate yeah. with boys. And he understands that. And he's not like, get out the gun and shoot the kid that's trying to kiss my so daughter. should he, like, even, put yeah, mints boys, on the pillow? Like, what are you talking about here? <laughs> <laughs> I left some Andy's mints on the pillow. Just throw everything in the laundry room on the way out. <laughs> I don't think it was encouraging at that point. No, part, I thought like, it was sweet. I thought it was really good, though. I was like, because I, I think seeing- one of the scenes in the movie that struck me, and I totally blew past this before, is when the daughter's like, oh, I lose another 144 days. It's not fair. And you're like, you little bitch. It's like your mom and brother <laughs> died. Like, are you fucking kidding me? But then you're like, well, you know I mean, what? I, They're I, kids. Like, they are every, kids. Every, every generation yeah. spanning back to, as far as I can remember, lost a significant amount of time in their lives because of something yeah. uh like like hey this isn't vietnam yeah like you're at home with your parents yeah <laughs> like yeah. But that's hey this is a world war right. two hey this is a world <laughs> war one like yeah. every generation has a moment where all of a sudden you have to make this global sacrifice yeah. to go and do something that's out of the norm and it like i like the fact that they had that moment because yeah she was pissed off which makes sense it makes perfect but sense like, for her but you're oh. furious at her as an adult you're so furious <laughs> you're so furious because you're like you're like you're staying home like i'm yeah. sorry yeah i get it but you're not you're not dying yeah. mm-hmm. you're but dying. I, I i do love matt damon as a father in throughout this movie because he he never like lashes out at her he never like loses his cool like yeah. you just, just understand she's a teenager and a teenage mind in this situation, I mean, can you remember all the stuff we thought was like world ending when we were that age? Yeah, I'll, I'll like, let you, you, I'll let us, you like... in on a secret cloud. I'm still that emotionally stunted. <laughs> that happens to me like three times a day still. And this isolation is making it worse. We're like very small things. Like the other day, I just yeah. I was desperately I just wanted uh, a sandwich. Right. And I don't know why, but I was like, this sandwich, it means a lot to me in my brain. And I went down, and on my son's plate, there were three pieces of bread shredded and destroyed. And I was like, okay. And I went to get bread, and there was nothing left, just one heel. And I couldn't have the sandwich, and I got so irrationally angry. I was like, do you guys know we could be facing the end of time? And someday you'll need those calories you just wasted. And it like it struck me. You're like, oh my god! Like I am the teenage girl. (laughs) Like I'm sitting here judging her in the movie, and you're like, I'm acting exactly like her. You actually hit on a, a good point of, you know, we, we kind of undermine what we're having to do and saying, oh, you just have to sit on your couch and binge Netflix. Poor you. But no, this is freaking hard. Staying inside and isolating yourself from the world is totally unnatural for our, the way we were programmed to survive. Uh, and as it, we don't want to undermine it uh, to people because I want people to know that I know it's hard. And those... Um, uh, those of you that are staying at home, I I appreciate it because uh, you are protecting my kids and my family because yeah. I have to go out and see it and I got to bring it home. Um, so I do everything I can, but everything you do uh, protects us and protects them. And I, again, I don't care about my life, uh, but uh, I know it's hard for you too. And I, I just want you to know I greatly, 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 hugely appreciate it for those of you to do it. And those of you that don't, that's why I get so mad. 
Well, we appreciate your life, man. <laughs> I love we love that. you very much. I, I mean, that, yeah, man. that's that's as good as you can say it, man. Is I think we're all just scared, and uh, the guys like you are actually out there doing stuff about it. Uh, I'm glad you're out I there. Mean, man. I'm not doing much. I, I mean, you're doing more the, than the ER can, docs, the the hospitalists, the ones that are intubating people. They're doing far more uh, than me. But it's like you said uh, in the movie. It's not a contest of who's doing the most. Everyone's doing their part, man. And you know, but yeah, you guys are too. Like this, we're all in it together, and. Staying home, I do, again, I just want to say, I know it's hard. Uh, I don't want to undermine it by saying, poor you sitting on the, the couches having to Netflix and binge all day. Because, no, it's totally unnatural, and it's hard. And you guys are doing a huge part, and maybe even one of the hardest parts out of any of us, by doing it. And I do appreciate it. So, but please, if you're not doing it, please do it. Do it, guys. Fucking do it. Just stay inside. We live in an amazing golden age of movie watching. Uh, Mike and I actually have been playing our Dungeons and Dragons game on Skype. We had drinks Friday night with Kevin as well, uh, on Skype. It's not what we all want, man, but it's what we fucking need. You know what I mean? We all need to channel a little Matt Damon right now and, uh, just do what's necessary until we all get our prom, man. And, uh, if we're lucky, hopefully I do want to like, yeah, before we conclude, I want to pick on some of the little tiny things that this movie actually is really great and educational and, uh, it was a great projection. Uh, she and it just almost kind of looking in like if you were watching it then would be considered looking into a crystal ball. Now she tells the one dude, "Quit touching your face." Uh, they use the term social distancing. Yeah. Uh, they uh, what else is there? Um, I think we kind of touched on the rest of it. Like yeah, be careful of um, false hope medications. Let the research come first. You made me really scared uh, you know, though because see- I'm watching myself and us in the Skype. And I didn't realize how much I touched my face. <laughs> I know. I, I'm sitting here. I, I, I didn't want to ruin the podcast, but I keep touching. Like, you guys, both of you, I've been watching him, and I don't want to interrupt, like, 20 times and say, quit touching your face. But no, yeah, you're you making guys me nervous, though. Now I'm thinking about touching my face, and that's all I want to do. And then all of a sudden, your face gets itchy, oh, especially with the beard. Yeah, the beard. No, I get uh, it, man. Hey, again, though, I know we're excited here because we're, we're just trying to still talk movies, man. Because I think everyone needs just anything that makes them okay. And I'm glad you're here to, you know, give us some info, Cloud. So what he's saying is really important, guys. I hope you all stay in, and I hope you all watch Contagion, and I hope you also watch Outbreak. Uh, Both are available, uh, and, uh, you know, I know it might be hard to watch those at this time, but maybe important, man. Maybe important to sit down and show them around and, you know, understand why we're all in this moment we're in. Uh, And that guys like Mike are so desperately hoping that we all take this seriously. Um, so that's it. But again, I also oh, want to say, if you need medical care, get medical care. Don't ignore it and blow it off as well. Call your doctor if you feel sick. Call your doctor. What is the best step, Mike? If someone, because I was told, and maybe it's because I don't know anything. I was told if you start to feel symptoms, don't go to the hospitals. Call your doctor first. Call. You can call. You don't want to yeah, overwhelm they, them. They kind of verbally talk about your symptoms, uh, and they can kind of guide you best from there on where what's the best place to go. Because uh, you don't, the last thing you want to do is um, show up and not be sick and sit in a waiting room and get sick. Um, so we're, we're kind of having to change how we provide health care. It's not always optimal, uh, but we always got to weigh our risks and benefits because uh, people are still going to get ear infections. People are still going to get strep throat. People are still uh, going to get you know pneumonia. People's asthma is still going to act up. Um, and yeah. many of these symptoms mimic or COVID, I should say COVID mimics many other symptoms, uh, many other diseases uh, that you don't want to come necessarily right out. So you need to make sure 
that you get some guidance on the best way to manage your symptoms, the best place to go, uh, and steps to take to make sure that nothing else hurts you or gets you sick. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's a case by case thing. So yeah. well, uh, that drove me talking nuts, to your doctor right? is always gonna be the first, uh, best first step. You see all these people are like, well, you know, it's just like the flu. Like I'm like, guys, the flu is still a thing too. <laughs> yeah. All these things you know add we up. We have vaccines. Woo. We have vaccines for the flu. Scary. This is scary stuff. I don't know, man. I think this movie's scary, but hopefully it it still can provide entertainment for the rest of us. I hope this podcast yeah. did that. Maybe some information and some entertainment. Uh, I'm assuming the movie we're talking about next, Outbreak, will be a little bit more about entertainment, as I don't think there's an yeah. enormous amount of learning. Uh, <laughs> I'd say Contagion <laughs> is very educational. Outbreak, no. Just, just be entertained. Don't. Don't get any medical advice from Outbreak. Or do? Question mark? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right. For the film Alchemist, uh, I'm Josh Griffey. Thank you again uh, to Dr. Mike Cloud and Kevin Weinman for joining me. We'll be back momentarily for Outbreak. Thanks for having me, man. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> no problem.